Hot round! Red 7, Red 7, Red 7! Don! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot round! I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob! This is it! The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you gonna get me the oh, ball? Oh, I'm getting you the ball! Get me the ball! Get me the ball! Get me the I hope he didn't kill somebody. The inches we need are everywhere around us. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. On this team, we fight for that inch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I got a whole lot of money, y'all it for me, bottle keep popping that water bath, y'all tracking, yeah, it's a party, it's a party, it's a party. Welcome into Eleven Personnel, the latest football podcast on the Kentucky Sports Radio Network. I'll be your host, Nick Roush, and sitting across from me is uh, one Adam Luckett. Nick, great, great to be here, my man. Really excited about this new podcast. I think it's going to be something that our followers and listeners are going to really enjoy as we get in to more intricate details about what's going on in the football world. So, ready to talk some ball. Yeah, and I, and I think um, the, we, we've had this idea for a little while now. I've been talking about it over the summer. And uh, to be frank, we're, we're just a couple of people who are football nerds. We love this stuff. Um, and I, I, I think, let, let's be clear, we're not replacing the KSR football podcast, and we're not going to try to be the depth chart podcast. We're not Freddie Maggard. We're not uh, Awesome McGinnis or Charles Walker. We're going to do our own thing. And part of that is, A, looking at just who Kentucky's got coming up, some of the guys on the other team, but also just kind of college football in general. Um you wouldn't believe this, though, like it. There's this thing, it's called the SEC Network. If they can fill 24 hours of content a day, I think we can get, like, I don't know, 45 minutes a week. I think we can figure something out. I think there, I think there's a lot of people out there that just want more content. College football is a year-round sport now. There's stuff going on all the time, whether it's uh, just talk, like in the talking season, like you just got come back, mm-hmm. like you just returned from, and we got upcoming Kentucky Media Days and all that. Oh, yeah. Right around the corner. All that stuff coming up. And then you just then you have the, 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 the season, which we all really care about, which is right around the corner. Mm-hmm. And with, there's, there's stuff to, that needs to be talked about. And I think around here, that's, that, I think there's an, there's an opening for yeah. stuff that people are interested in. And that's what we're really going to touch on. We're going to break down, give you more than just a basic 
preview of the yes. games. We're going to yes. go more into detail. We're going to throw some analytics at you. We're going to throw some betting trends at you. We're going to talk about some X and O's aspects. Do you, do you like the uh, like the Chris Felica? He's big on the so and so has only covered the spread twice on this Saturday. Like the real weird. Like do you do you like those kind of yeah, weird stats? Yeah, I'm a fan of trends. That definitely. Uh, that a lot of them can be thrown out for certain situations, but I mean, there's just. Football okay. is a small sample sport. Uh-huh. You only get 12 games a year, so you have to take any stat like that that you can get to maybe use to your advantage. Right. But it's knowing what, what to pick and what to stay away from. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm a big fan of the Bear. Okay. Yeah, me too. Him and Stanford Steve have a fun podcast that maybe you should listen to, but only after you've listened to our podcast, of course. Um, but uh, if for those wondering where uh, – like, what the hell? Why would you call it 11 personnel? That makes no freaking sense at all. Um, well, 11 personnel is, for those who don't know, 11 personnel is the package. Uh, it's, it's basically not a formation, but it's a personnel group. It's one running back and one tight end on the field. It's most teams' base offense now, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Uh, that's Kentucky's. That's yeah. what they run yeah. probably 80% maybe not 80, 70, 75% of the time. Yeah, except for it's like what Sean, Mc, and, Sean yeah. McVay and the Rams, he runs strictly 11 personnel. And it's kind of just – it's kind of the new fad. That's what everybody yeah. runs out of. And one plus one, one Nick Roush, yeah. one Adam Luckett, one, 11 personnel. So, there you go. Boom. So, it's the most popular per- personnel grouping in football. And one plus one equals two. And it allowed us to create a pretty cool graphic. So yeah, that's it, was a, it, was a, it was a cool graphic. Shout out to Brandon, who, who does Good a job, lot of Brandon. graphic work. Yeah, that, that was cool. It's even got grass stains on it. Just really makes you it's feel our like. It's style, like, exactly. like nice and gritty. Exactly, down down in the dirt. Um, and I, that's what I'm most excited for. Once the pads get popping, this thing's going to be rolling. But for the next six weeks, a lot of what we're going to be talking to you about is previewing Kentucky season by looking at them position group by position group. And we're going to try to save the look at the other teams, but mm-hmm. um, mostly because, come on, we don't want to spoil all the good stuff for during the year. Um, but today we're going to get into the position groups. So first, I did want to talk about where I spent all of last week, and that was down at SEC Media Days, where um, it's – I'm not going to lie, like it, I spent like the first two days just with steam rolling out of my ears. Some of it was the like uh, amenities at Hoover. It just it just felt a little it felt a little off this year. Like the sinks and stuff are broken well, and it probably was mad so at, cold. At, at SEC for moving it. I know, they keep moving it all the time. I mean, that's their big money weekend for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then coaches just were really stubborn about saying anything. So Kirby Smart and Dan Mullen right now, they're fighting over where the world's largest cocktail party is going to be held. Mm-hmm. Uh, the contract in Jacksonville runs up next year. But they're fighting in like the most boring coach-speaky ways term possible. Mm-hmm. Well, they're having, they're having a little cold war between the both of them. <laughs> it's so lame. It's like I wanted Dan Mullen to just be like, I know Kirby wishes he could re- – but th- that's the problem. Dan Mullen's scared to just go all in and talk well, trash to Georgia because they're not – they're at the bottom right now. Well, he did earlier. Earlier in this in off season, he took some shots at Georgia, but then he had about eight or nine players get arrested. He had some yeah. players leave the program, so Ooh, they had kind of got shaky for them since that since that happened, and they had that five star 
they had a five-star corner leave the program because they they roomed him with a quarterback that he didn't like. So well, because he, was he like he like uh, was accused of sexual assault. Yeah, he boy now he's kicked off the team and he's he's going to be playing for an FCS yeah, school next year. The, the, it was he was the best cornerback in their class. I forget his name. Chris Steele. Yeah, he he was their best recruit in rolls early, mm-hmm. and Mullen wouldn't switch his room up for him once the season started, so he left. Which yeah. uh, if you're and he counting, was a guy that's probably he probably wouldn't. Well, he's probably going to play a lot of nickel, but he was going to be a guy that's going to be like you know, an all-SEC yeah, yeah. type player. So that was a big loss for them. A big big miss on Mullen's part, which you hate to see. It couldn't have into a nicer guy. You mm-hmm. know? Who, by the way, they've had more people in the transfer portal this year than he's had wins over top 25 teams in his career. Just, just throwing that out there. Yeah. It's a fun stat. Very fun stat. Um, but so it was It was a little frustrating at first, but the coaches got, you know, they slowly got a little bit more outspoken. Uh, Joe Moorhead, of all people, was fun, which never thought I'd use that in a sentence. Lost a bunch of weight, he said. <laughs> yeah, he said he was tired of the recruits asking him if he played but off But Joe Moorhead is a guy, if you've noticed in the national media, Joe Moorhead is a guy that a lot, a lot of the national media likes. They really do like him. But he sucked last year. That maybe just I mean his first time first time in the big leagues. Yeah, being in getting comfortable in your own skin. Um, I guess he was. But like, this is a low key a big year for him because if they don't bounce back, and the way they're going, they some of those fans are going to get pretty upset. Because man, they were loaded last year. That defense mm-hmm. was so good. They and, left a lot on the table last year. Uh, the way he put it too when he was talking, he was like, you know, we really were like, I went away. Like if they beat Kentucky. They're right where everybody projected him to finish, which would have been like nine and three, second or third. Or if they just beat Mullen at home. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, either or. So, um, and then they lose a ton from their defense. Uh, they got some quarterback things they've got to figure yep. out. But uh, I just thought it was funny that he tried to get Dan Marino to follow him on Twitter after. Like that. He's, he spent the entire intro like, Dan, we went to the same high school. Come on, just follow me on Twitter, man. Yeah, he came out firing. And then you had the whole Alabama. Yeah. Situation, Saban kind of throwing his coaches under the bus. <laughs> uh, and uh, the real MVP of it all was, uh, oh, what's the guy from Bob Holt from the Arkansas Democrat oh, yeah. Gazette? He's the real MVP of SEC Media Days. He asked every one of Saban's former assistants, he's like, So y'all are 0 oh, 16 against him. And he's like, oh. And then every coach would interject. Mm-hmm. And then Bob would ask, So you think anybody's ever going to beat him? Bob Holt, <laughs> Bob Holt lives for Media Days. If any of y'all. Probably, if you didn't see it or didn't play close against, you wouldn't know who he is. But on the SEC Network, every year they have what is it—the writers' room that they show? It's the main ballroom. Yeah. yeah. So and then that coaches get up there, kind of give their state of the union on the program, mm-hmm. and then ask questions. And Bob Holt, he's got to ask two to three questions to every coach in the in the conference. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And then how about Jeremy Pruitt go, going off filibuster on us for the 20, was it 22 to 30 Jeremy minutes? Jeremy Pruitt sucks. And I know that he actually did pretty well in his first year, but my God, he is so annoying. And the thing is, uh, I was talking to some folks. Um, like he, like he, Jim McElwain, I think, did it a few years back, and Pruitt just thought it was the greatest idea ever because he hates doing media. He yeah. hates it. And Hugh Freeze did it too when they had all that. Issues going on right before he got fired. No, he just he filibustered too. It drives it drives me nuts when they do that stuff. But you know what? That's that's what we that's what we get from these coaches who instead of using it as a platform to pitch their school, they're just trying to get through it as quick well, as possible. What made it popular back in the day is you had you had some personalities in the league. Mm-hmm. Most I mean most notably Steve Spurrier would get up there and 
take shots at Tennessee or whatnot. Can't but spell it, citrus without UT. But Dan Wilkin brought this up, and I thought it was a good point. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, I know. Dan Wilkin made yeah, a good point. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that before. I know he makes a lot of points. Most of them most people don't agree with. But on this one, it, college football has become a 365-day-a-year sport. Mm-hmm. And what media days used to be was kind of the kickoff where right. everybody would be, get excited and coaches would use it to sell their program. Now they don't. They have social media all year round to they sell their program. They don't need the – Well, I, I've seen a couple of people say, like, media days are kind of – jump the shark because mm-hmm. really it's just uh, an excuse for people to get fancy and go talk about their team. Now, the the one – it was a fun opportunity for Scott Satterfield to go and just throw his players on the bus. Yeah. Which – Well, oh, Louisville's <laughs> going through this period that – we, we, literally, we literally did this six years ago down in Fayetteville. There was articles written with Brett, multiple Brett Bielema coach quotes talking about how the players – didn't know, like, didn't know that they they could talk to the coaches about anything. Didn't know they would be here for them. It's so bad here. Blah 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 blah. There's no depth. There's 80 receivers. I don't have any offensive linemen. Yeah. It's 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 part. It's it's totally redone. Except when Bielema said that his guys at Wisconsin were better than his guys at Arkansas. That's at least reasonable. Yeah. But when you're saying that. I thought at least some of my players at Appalachian State would be better. That was the one quote I'm like, all right, I, I we we get it, Scott. We get it, Freddie. You know, you don't need to <laughs> you don't need to lay it on that thick. Um, but uh, you know, those have all been talked to death. But ultimately, the the results from the SEC's media days where uh, they announced the order of finish from each team uh, in each division and uh, picked Alabama to win the SEC. Big shocker there. And they also picked all SEC teams. And to no surprise, uh, Kentucky was not a big big hit from the SEC media. Four cats made the team, but I think they're all third-team selection. Cash, Bowden, Stenberg, and Drake. Uh, and then they were picked to finish sixth in the East. Of the list of uh, – of the – Craziness of the results. What was it? What was most shocking to you, like it, top to bottom? From a Kentucky standpoint, Drake Jackson being third team center. That's stupid. It's bad. <laughs> That's really stupid. Lloyd Cushenberry was the first team center. You know why he was selected the first team center? Because he was the only center that went to media days. Ah, yep. There are at least three centers off the top of my head. That are, now Lloyd Cushenberry is a good player, but. There's Tristan, Tristan Colon, Castillo at Mizzou, Drake at Kentucky, and then Daryl Williams at Mississippi State. We're all – okay, so then the offensive line, they do this every year. It makes me really mad. <laughs> they pick – they don't sign it by positions. They do center and then OL. OL is guards and tackles. Yeah, they, they don't so, divide up the guards and the so tackles. So everybody – so it's whoever gets the most votes. And every year the tackles, unless there's a stud offensive guard one year that everybody knows, the tackles get the most votes. Yep. So you got – both Alabama starting tackles, Auburn starting left tackle, and Georgia starting left tackle. Andrew Thomas, who's probably the best he, offensive lineman in the he's, country. He's yeah, he's good. He's very very good. Yeah. So that that so that that's the first thing that really upset me. Number two, the the I think I know what you're going to say. Najee Harris. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. It's a was a five star do all out of California. It has a load of potential. He was but pretty he, solid last year. You know, he was yeah, fine. He was solid. He's been solid in a reserve role. Yeah. But th- there's no excuse for not having Keyshawn Vaughn Dude, on Keish- that first Keyshawn team. Vaughn is probably the best 
playmaker overall in the conference. He almost beat Florida by himself in, uh, in yeah. that game in Nashville last year. I mean, they, they, they were up, I think, 10 or 13 when he I mean, got sidelined. He put on a show in that bowl game. He averaged eight yards per carry. Put up 12, <laughs> over 1,200 yards on less than 100 – or barely over 150 carries. He he scored a couple touchdowns in the passing game. He's just – he's a stud. He's a – one of the he's probably the, one of the sports from a position like skill position standpoint one of the biggest playmakers in the sport. Yeah, and he didn't he had Inc, Inc, that, he also is like he he catches it out of the backfield and mm-hmm. is 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 a good receiver. And they're probably going to well. let him return kicks this year. Yeah, I mean he's a stud, and that they didn't that they gave that to Najee Harris because he had Alabama wears an elephant on his yep. know, on his uniform. And uh, I think they were, they picked like eleven. 12 first-teamers from Alabama, which just goes to show you, mm-hmm. when you have the event in Hoover and, I don't know, 35% of the media outlets there are from Alabama, they're going to get a lot of votes. The the other one, too, Larry Roundtree being third team. like, Yeah, he, he probably deserved to be second team at yeah, least. Yeah, um, I, I think the way – the order I had it was – I think I had him and – I think I had Roundtree and Vaughn as my first two followed by – Swift and Perrine. I don't even think I had Harris on there because it's what have you what have you done and what can mm-hmm. you do? I get it. Najee is going to be the featured guy this year, but all of the there's only two guys that rushed for a thousand yards last year that are playing SEC football yep. this year, and that's Roundtree and Vaughn. Mm-hmm. And Swift got over a thousand too, but he was barely like just that like much. a yard or something. Yeah, like that, yeah. but I understand from him because he was injured a lot last year and. Kentucky fans know this. Yeah. They saw him. <laughs> he's good. He's, he's really the good. real deal. Yeah. He's probably the Top running, he'll probably be the top running back picked in the NFL draft. And he, I think, if you're looking for somebody that has a chance at SEC Player of the Year, or maybe even a Heisman case out of the conference, outside of the two quarterbacks, Tua and yeah. Fromm, it's Swift. I right. think he could really make a make a move and have a big big season because now he's not going to be sharing carries with Holyfield. Right. And, exactly. and if he stays healthy, he's going to come out and get a lot of a lot of touches. But you know, it's the. You expect them to get some things wrong. Mm-hmm. I thought when they released the Western Division, I think I actually had the identical list of teams released: Alabama, LSU, A and M, Auburn, Miss State, Ole Miss, Arkansas. It, it just it all seems to fit. You might flip A and M and LSU, or you might flip A and M and Auburn. But I think that that's kind of the consensus. Yeah, that's I agree a hundred percent. That's exactly how I had it, except I had Arkansas. Six, Ole Miss seven, but yeah, but A and M and Auburn, you're really splitting hairs there. I think there's a like a significant gap between them and Mississippi State. Yeah, and I and it, it's one of those things where it, I'd, I'd almost even tier them as LSU, Texas A and M, Auburn right there together. Yeah, and then have Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and then then Ole then Ole Miss, Arkansas. Yeah, but, but uh, either way, West can't mess that up too much. Mm-hmm. But the East, man, they love to just butcher the East all. Yes, they do. I mean. I, if you go the, – the part that makes uh, this so egregious is that when Will Muschamp took the stand on the last day, he got asked about his schedule like four times. And every single time he gave the, we're worried about who's up first. Blah, 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 blah. You know, he just – I'm talking – I want to talk about the Gamecocks. I'm not here to talk about the other teams. But you have to talk about that schedule because it is insane. And – Outside of the Alabama-Georgia storyline, that was the most talked about probably thing at media days was that schedule it's and how tough that was. It's, or it is. it's unbelievably difficult. They start the year off with North Carolina, which 
North Carolina, I mean, I know they weren't good last year, but you bring in Mac Brown, it's his first game. You get all the boys all fired up and go win one for the Gipper. That could derail their season right away. They have Clemson, A&M, and Alabama on their schedule. They play Florida before they play Kentucky. There's a scenario where they are 1-5 when Kentucky goes to Columbia. Yeah, and, and, and I know that North Carolina and Clemson don't factor in to their conference record. But they can be completely derailed. Like, football is a momentum sport. Like, if you're feeling if your team's feeling good, you're going to play exponentially better. The, the only explanation for Kentucky losing to Tennessee is that their momentum just got completely derailed when they got pumped by They lost Georgia. the game because where it was on the schedule. Not yeah. More than it, more. I mean, you got to give Tennessee credit, but it was because of that spot on the schedule. It's Kentucky an was susceptible. Down. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they put South Carolina. What I thought was fascinating, I was dis, I was disappointed that the Tennessee hype train wasn't tooting up anymore. Because what are you going to say about South Carolina? Ooh, J- Jake Bentley back for his seventh year of football. Uh, DJ Wonham, like I, they got some guys, but like I don't, I don't know what's there that is just pumps off the page and it's like, wow, this team can be great next year. One thing South Carolina has going for them, they've got about five or six seniors on that team that have been playing and starting since they were freshmen. So when you have that at a school like South Carolina, that's the time where you're like, hey, we got something right in here. We've got all these guys with all this experience. The time is now. Let's make a jump. Kind of like uh, Kentucky last But year. the schedule is not going to allow them to make that jump. No. But can't. when you look at Missouri, Missouri's kind of – in that same spot, they have a lot of a lot of seniors. Yep. They their one big hole was at quarterback. They seem to have filled that with Kelly Bryant. Yeah, he's okay. They're good on <laughs> on they're good on both sides of the line of scrimmage. They Barry Odom fixed that defense last year, so you see them as kind of hey, this could be a team that. And you want to talk about schedules? Yeah, Missouri has very wide. They have on the front a end. they have a weird schedule. It's very weird with how the home and the away games are set up, but. There's a very, very likely scenario that they're seven and zero when they come into Lexington uh, on, on the last weekend in October. So they start the year off at Wyoming, which is the most bizarre thing I've ever heard of. They host West Virginia in a rebuild year. Yeah, with Neil Brown, uh, which that seems like an odd scheduling choice. Southeast Missouri D two. They play. They host South Carolina. Now Muschamp has owned them till this point. Yeah. So that's got that's kind of a big game for right. them. Uh, Troy, who without Neil Brown, without Neil Brown, but still a team who's knocked off some other ones, uh, hosting Ole Miss and then going to Vanderbilt, and that's leading into the Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So they don't have; they've got a ton of home games. I mean, their road trips before UK are at Wyoming and at Vanderbilt. I can't imagine they've been to many. Uh, I can't imagine those kind of home field atmospheres. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, I mean, it really sets up for them well to get off to a fast start and really be kind of contenders. Ride that wave. Yeah. We're a top 25 team. if Kelly Bryant is good, that's going to drive storylines. They're opening up Mm -hmm. that locker room Mm -hmm. and the end zones. Uh, So, Missouri can have all the momentum in the world when they come into the Krogh. And I think Kelly Bryant, too, just throwing that name in the mix, uh, along with a solid running back and a bunch of receivers Mm -hmm. coming back, putting them at three makes total sense to me. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's sneakily – that's – Missouri, the Missouri game, Kentucky game reminds me of the Mississippi State Kentucky game last yep. year. Like it's it's real where they've got all these pieces. I just don't know how if they'll all fit together right way. And just seeing it right now, it it screams that Missouri seven and zero. They're getting hyped up. Kentucky enters that game coming uh, 
after getting beat down by Georgia, or yeah. not maybe maybe getting beat up by Georgia. But Missouri screams like this big favorite, and it's a game where Kentucky kind of puts them in their place. Yeah. It almost screams that. And every year – Because it's hard, last... to, it's hard to imagine them being 8-0, Missouri being 8-0 going into that Florida-Georgia stretch yeah, in no, November. That, I just can't imagine it all. I also like, too, that Kentucky has been their learning experience game for, like, the last three mm-hmm. years. Like, every time – after they play Kentucky, they figure it out, and then they go on this big run. Mm-hmm. Uh, that won't be the same this year, but uh, nonetheless, it's uh, – Kentucky's had their number, four in a row – in, so, I, I, like it, I went back and I was going through longest win streaks that Kentucky's had against SEC opponents. They reeled off six against Vanderbilt in the 70s and early 80s. But I couldn't find another one. And, Sounds about right. And they're about to – if they beat South Carolina this year, it'll be six. And if they beat Missouri again, that'll be five. So – And they're building a decent one right now against Vanderbilt. Right, kinda. that's four. It sounds I think right. Four. Yeah, mm-hmm. sounds right. So, not too shabby. Not too shabby. Um, all right. I, I was going to go into the position previews, but we're talking all SEC right now. And I have a feeling this is going to get, um, this is going to be a fun pecking order uh, because one of the biggest, let's get fired up, it's late June and there's nothing to talk about stories, was when a Nashville radio guy who I don't, I don't even know, I've never even heard of the station or show he's on, released his rankings of, SEC quarterbacks. And that was when I learned names like Matt Corral and <laughs> Raleigh Neal because he ranked them ahead of Terry Wilson. He had Terry Wilson as the number 14 quarterback in the SEC. As someone who's covered uh, football for five, six years now, first-year starters are not better than second-year starters unless they're really, really good. For the most part, yes. <laughs> like You have to be – Really, really good to be that much better. And to put Terry Wilson at 14th was absolutely laughable. So I thought it would be a good idea for us to figure out the pecking order of SEC quarterbacks. Give the definitive KSR ranking of SEC quarterbacks. And I think it's pretty easy to start off at number one and two. Yeah, I don't think that's going to take much debate. Tua and Jake Fromm. Mm-hmm. You got yeah. two first-round picks, All-American potential. Yeah, it's pretty – They uh, Tua doesn't take care of the ball well, but all of his other stats – my God, I was looking through some of them. They really were stupid last year. Mm-hmm. But he he didn't take care of the ball well. well. Yeah. And, I mean, they were – one of the big things that's come out here in the last week is how Tua struggled against the best defenses. But he was also – you know, it started with Mississippi State. He got banged up, and he was kind of hurt mm-hmm. throughout that. He's a little fragile. Mm-hmm. I think it's because he's just – he's tiny. So – I think you're gonna what you're gonna see from them a little bit this year is maybe leaning on that ground game a little bit more and not being balls to the wall. Yeah, the yeah. And I mean, I'm, they're still gonna let Tua be Tua, but mm-hmm. at the same time, they're definitely gonna be taking care of their prize possession. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jake Fromm, I don't think the I think they're gonna let the reins off him a little bit. He was only throwing it like, I mean, maybe twenty times a game. Mm-hmm. I think they'll let him air it out a little more. I mean, they're yes, still gonna just, they're still gonna ride that running game, and they lost. They got that. Their offensive line is awesome. Yeah, it's, it's the best so in good. the country. <laughs> it's so good. Got draft picks, probably eight, nine deep with draft picks in that <laughs> offensive lineman right now. That's crazy. And then you know we talked. We talked about DeAndre Swift earlier, and they lost a lot of receivers. They had three guys go pro early. Nico they did Hardman, mm-hmm, um, Riley Ridley. Yeah. There was another one that. Uh, then they're not. Their tight end Isaac Nata went pro. Yeah, and he and was there. Like he that was that's Fromm's like just throw it like up it, to him. Yeah. yeah. And then Jeremiah Holloman, who kind of emerged last year, had a big game against Florida. He was kicked off the team. 
So they're kind of re- totally rebuilding there at receiver. Now they have talent waiting in the fold. Um, but one of the biggest things to see, you know, if your passing game to grow is continuity in the receiving corps, is having guys that come back. And they don't have that right now. So that's the thing. Fromm's going to kind of have to build that rapport with that for, with that receiving corps. But either – we're, just, I mean – yeah. What we're talking about here, he's a great, he's going to be one of the he's top good. ten picks in the NFL draft, and he's going to be a good quarterback. Also, I had an odd interaction with him in the bathroom. Uh, the sinks were all clogged up. It was disgusting. Do you have his croquis on? Yeah, yeah. That was man. It was the first time any media person had ever seen some. How big is Twenty year old wear croquis. Uh he's. They say he's six five. Is he six five? No, 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 no. He's six three and a half. Uh, kind of little, but they're all wearing slimming suits, so it's hard to tell. Yeah. Um. But he, yeah, he he well, he did seem kind of little to me. Okay. Um, yeah, six two, maybe well, maybe I thought he was taller. Yeah, 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 smaller than I expected. Him and Bentley too, both, which mm-hmm. brings us to this middle tier of quarterbacks. It's a real big mess, and it, a lot of them are quarter SEC East quarterbacks. So, in my kind of mind, here's how I lay out the kind of returners, and I, I think the first three, I'm pretty. I'm pretty good with these first three, and that's Kelly Bryant at number three. I'd trust – if you said I need somebody to go win me a game, Kelly Bryant's the guy. He's taking it, comes into the playoff in back-to-back years if Trevor Lawrence isn't Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. The, one, the next one I think is a little bit more difficult, and that's Kellen Mond or Joe Burrow. Are you more of a Burrow guy or a Kellen Mond guy? Joe Burrow has a lot of grit. Oh yeah, he's got he's got he's cut from Coach Okoth. Joe Burrow, from a player or coach standpoint, or even a fan, he's a guy that's easy to cheer for and a guy that can really care that can really rally the troops. But I thought Kellen Mond last year did some things that surprised me. Yeah, and he brings a legit dual threat ability. He can run around, make plays in the pocket, and he's a guy that if he stays there four years and he keeps developing, A and M keeps recruiting well. I mean, he's he's gone. He would be a guy. I if we have fake money and we had to invest money in a quarterback, I would invest money into Kellen Mond before I would Joe Burrow. You know, you can invest real money in them if you just bet on Texas. Yeah, or maybe I'll start a fantasy league and draft one. Over <laughs> but see, where I think the the where I give Kellen Mond an advantage is a I trust Jimbo Fisher. Yeah. Uh little bit more than I trust Joe Burrow with, a, you know, we're going to run the spread this year. And yeah, that was another big thing they kept talking <laughs> yeah. about. They kept talking about how they are going to run the spread, and then that they were going to use him to run and, like, just bulldoze over people. And he I, – I mean, he you were talking about a guy that surprised. He, he gave LSU the quarterback that they've been looking for for quite some time. But I feel like they're putting too much on him. He's getting a little – overhyped because of what he did in the bowl game. And we, we do this all the time. Yeah. That's, Recency bias. Yeah. yeah. We put stock into, for the most part, or kind of glorified exhibition games. Right. So, now Joe Burrow, he can, he can tuck the ball and run it. They run, they ran him a lot more at the end of the year. And, but when you looked at, you just look at his stats, he just didn't have a great completion percentage. He, they made a lot of plays vertically down the field. Justin yeah. Jefferson's, a really good receiver. 
you can get open. Yeah. You can make plays in the vertical passing he, game. He made plays in close games, and mm-hmm. I think that's why people liked him. Like that yep. Auburn yes, game. Yes, he did. He was but really they also had Auburn an game. awesome field goal kicker that all they had to do was just get With across them. the 50, and yeah. they were in pretty yeah. good shape. <laughs> um, but I like Burrow at fifth behind Monet. For do do we have are we are we on the same page so far? Like it? Can we, or have we reached a consensus? Yeah. Um, or are you or are you moving up Felipe Franks higher? Because no, some people Frank. Here's the thing with Franks. It's, he's very scheme based. When I when I judge him, I lean a lot on scheme because Dan Mullen. Let's face it. He's really good with quarterbacks. He knows a thing or two. Mm-hmm. Nick Fitzgerald last year in Joe Moorhead's system really struggled throwing the football. Yeah, he he was all on the ground or nothing. The year before in Mullen's system, he definitely had his shortcomings, but it wasn't as bad. Right. So, and then we cannot forget, the same day Kentucky played Tennessee, the game on before that was South Carolina and Florida. Florida fans were booing Felipe Franks in November. <laughs> they wanted his, to see his backup. And then he got hot at the end of the year. Their schedule softened up. Yep. They beat up. They put up a bunch of points against uh, not very good South Carolina defense. They crushed Florida State. And then he has he has a very good bowl game. So now we're going. Now we're at this point where oh, it's oh, Felipe Franks is the next you know great Florida quarterback. <laughs> Let's pump the brakes a little bit. He's going to put. He's going to have. He's going to. Well, he's going to be put in a good spot, and he's going to be a good quarterback. The, and part of it is just on paper. Uh, almost 2,500 yards passing, 24 touchdowns, and only mm-hmm. six interceptions. And then he also had some pretty good stats on the ground too. Yeah, uh, but he, I mean, he had, but he when he runs the ball, he puts the ball on the turf. Yeah, that's true. Five too. fumbles. He on take out of sacks. He averaged less than five yards per carry. When you're when a quarterback runs the ball, they have a built-in advantage because not only the extra blocker, but you got the element of surprise because a lot of those runs are on scrambles. And, and they're stuff. usually like in space. Too. So when you when you just look at the non-sack carries, less than five yards per carry is not good. I think Terry was at Terry, seven, seven point. Terry's two? in the sevens. Yes. Yeah. So Joe Burrow's in the sixes. So that's not those aren't good numbers for a guy that's been labeled, you know, this dual threat runner. Okay. So I and, and I'm with you in that Felipe Franks, Franks don't scare me. Mm-hmm. He kind of looks like the Duke Blue Devil. His something about his face. Like he can't be a good quarterback. He can mm-hmm. be a fine, but there's nothing about him that scares me. That's kind of how I liken Jake Bentley, where you put some pressure on him, then Jake Bentley is just going to commit turnovers. Mm-hmm. And that's that's been the same old song and dance since he became their starting quarterback when he was 16 years old. And every analyst fell in love with him. Like, this kid, he left high school early to, to, to help out the Gamecocks. And it's like, yeah, well, he's helped them lose to Kentucky five times in a row. I think he's he's been there for four of the losses. Well, he's, no. he didn't play the, his freshman year against Kentucky. He became a starter after that. Okay, okay. So, he's been there for two of the losses. Yeah. So uh, And in both those games, Kentucky's defense totally smothered they, South Carolina's they, offense. Oh, they completely got in their lunch. Here's the thing with Jake Bentley. I've been more of a Bentley defender because I know a lot of people, especially around here, don't yeah. like him. And I understand why they don't like him. He and, has his limitations. And, and we put that label on him because South Carolina gets more praise than they should. Mm-hmm. And so we lump it on it. But, like, he had 3,100 yards passing and 27 touchdowns last mm-hmm. year. So he's had – he's had in South Carolina, almost all of their success you can really lump on his, him and Debo Samuel. Right. Um, because I don't, that Rico Dowdle is not yeah. a good running back. I think that's – Point I'm getting, I think he's a good quarterback who's never really had a running game his whole career. No, no. But here's the thing with Jake Bentley. 
Will Muschak came out and said, we need to change the offense because Bentley needs to play in this offense because he's struggling. They had to change and go to this, you know, spread up tempo offense so he could, you know, distribute the ball. Yeah. That tells you what kind of quarterback he is. He has you, Things have to be right for him to be good. He can make plays if you set up the table correctly. If the table's messed up, he can't go and get stuff out of the way and make make a play for you. Hmm. So, I think he's a good quarterback. I I think he has struggled because he hasn't had the best offensive line and he mm-hmm. hasn't really had a running game to play with his whole career. But at the same time, he's had some well, really good receivers. He, he also – he's not getting much help on the offensive line this year. They're going to be mm-hmm. starting a true freshman, mm-hmm. um, which – isn't always good. I mean, this it's DJ Wonham's little brother, Dylan Wonham, mm-hmm. who uh, I think I'm saying Wonham right, who all American last year, top you know 300 player, really good football player, but still true freshman. Mm-hmm. The only I just know from recent memory, Trey Smith is the only one I can recall recently that was just a stud right away, uh-huh. and he but he was playing guard too. And then Andrew Thomas of Georgia played true freshman, and he was pretty good right away. But yeah, you you throw a guy out like in that you just never know. Yeah, yeah, you it's never, a while. You you're know. rolling the dice. So, but that, so, that's been a problem. This most champs whole tenure has been offensive line play and creating a ground game, mm-hmm. which for how he coaches and how he wants to play, that's kind of not good. So the other person, the other two people that are clumped in this group that we're going to divvy out: Jared Garantano mm-hmm. and Terry Wilson, who you throw them out on paper. And Garrett Tano might look more attractive because I think he only had four interceptions last year. Uh, he put up some decent yards, whereas Terry had eighteen hundred yards, eleven touchdowns. Not, I mean, nothing that jumps off the page stat-wise. But you also look at like three or four of Terry Wilson's games, and they were really good. So this is where this is where it gets tough for me because I obviously have my bias. But I saw those two or three games in his potential. I saw that they could lean on the run game for most of the time. And whereas, like, a lot of these other guys we mentioned, Garantano, Franks, Bentley, they've all been on teams where they've had to do well for their teams to succeed. I know Florida had Jordan Scarlett and, uh, you know, Michael, Michael Preen, but they didn't. They were terrible at running the football last year. They, were, mm-hmm. they, were, they should have been so much better at running the football than what they were. And I, I think that – Yeah, especially that offensive line. They yeah. ran the ball good or well, but it, it, it wasn't what been it, better. Yeah, and so my, my point is when you look at these uh, – what do we got? Five guys here, four guys here. Wilson's the only one that hasn't really had to do been asked to do a lot, mm-hmm. and when he was asked to do a lot, that was the time he struggled. It was at A and M. They asked Eddie Grand. No. You well, get, Ryan all the way back to Labor Day weekend. They yeah. came out against Central Michigan, and just he, he struggled. Yeah, he they had threw, fumbles. He threw mm-hmm. interceptions, and then after that, they, they kind of you know you tell the they screws on him. Lot. Yep. But here's the thing. Those first five quarterbacks we mentioned, you talk about Franks, Burrow, Kelly Bryant, Jake Bentley, Kellen Mond. Those are guys what I would call plus game managers. At their root, and game manager is not a bad term. They are they can take care of the game. Their coach is asking them to take care of the football, you know, put us in good spots. But at the same time, they need them a couple times a game to go out and make some plays for them. Mm-hmm. Whereas Terry Wilson and Jerry Garantano last year were just your your ordinary game managers. Don't mess it up. Jerry Garantano was protected just like Terry Wilson. They only th- he only threw the ball twenty times per game. Yeah. 
they ran the ball even though they couldn't run the ball worth a lick last year <laughs> because they just they did not want to put him in a bad spot. A lot of reason they did that. They didn't want to ruin him. They couldn't protect the passer. They mm-hmm. ranked 106 in sack rate. Garantano got sacked on eight. All 8.2% of his dropbacks. That's a, that's a lot. <laughs> that's great. That's and crazy. Then, but he completed 62% of his passes. But the thing about Garantano, out of high school, he was labeled a dual threat. He has not been that in two years at Tennessee. No, he's not random. He's well. a strictly a pocket yeah. passer. Now let's go over to Terry Wilson. Mm-hmm. One thing Terry does, he can carry the rock. Yes. And he, we only saw that in a limited scope mm-hmm. last year. He had nearly seven point yard, seven yards per carry, non sack attempts, over seven hundred yards in those attempts. Mm-hmm. But the thing with Terry, and a lot of this, some of this can be blamed on the offensive line, but a lot falls on Terry. He took a lot of bad sacks last yeah, year. He, did. he had bad pocket mechanics. He didn't navigate the pocket well, and Kentucky ranked last in the SEC in sack rate because of that. Yeah, because he. He could not. He could not manipulate a pocket. To Some make of it is and that's something he has. He has. He has to get better at. Yeah. That's one of the biggest things going into this season that he must get better at. Good thing, Wayne uh, Young's back. Mm-hmm. Losing your left tackle and then getting stuck with EJ Price or Nasir Watkins. Who Nasir Watkins is going to be good for them this year. He'll rotate in frequently. He's got. He's got a lot of experience, but he's a guy who had to play as a true freshman, I believe, right? Or was it just a redshirt? Well, they were going to play him, but they got. They were able to not play him, but that. The year pre- prior, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, and then EJ Price. If you'll have seen, I, you know, bless his heart. There's he just got some screws loose. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the polite way to say it. But you never knew what kind of EJ you were going to get that day. So I maybe some of it was that, but there was definitely times where it's like Terry just run it or Terry just chuck it, and he didn't do it last year. He's got to get better at it this year. But one thing that I did like is that. In the big moments when, you know, you talked about when they were like, all right, we need you to go make a play, he made a lot of those throws. He made – like Missouri, mm-hmm. we need to go 80 yards in a minute 24. He does it. Um, you know, uh, Florida, third and long. And my favorite part about the, the Lynn Bowden touchdown at Florida is that Jeff Bacoro and Tom Leach are having the same conversation I'm having in my head and that it's – Third and long, It's I know it's just the first drive of the second half. You still got the lead. Just pin them back and get a stop and start – you know, play the field position battle because mm-hmm. that's kind of where the game was. Instead, what do they do? They say, ah, screw it. We're going to go long. And he f- just lets it rip. Hits Lynn Bowden in stride. And I, I think that was part of the problem is that a lot of the times he didn't let it rip last year. Mark Stoops called a pull – he's got to pull the pin. He didn't want to pull the pin. Yes, there was a blo- there's a block of games in the middle of the season where Kentucky's offense let's they, they really tanked. For Vandy the, for the uh, Stoops blame some of it on the weather, it's, but it starts. They it start, You forget the second half of that South Carolina game. Kentucky's rolling up twenty four three. They come down first drive, miss a field goal, and they couldn't get a first down the rest of that game. That carried into yeah, the A and M game. Yep. Terry didn't play well. They have a bye. Terry comes out, puts the ball on the turf against Vanderbilt. They have to scrape that game plan. Yep. So then – Vandy was really – And then you get into the Missouri game. Terry starts to play well. – I think Terry played well in that Missouri game. I think they had too big of a hook on him. Mm-hmm. But at that time, they kind of had to have that because they were playing for a division title. And then the Georgia game and then the Tennessee game. And actually, Georgia, he wasn't that bad. Uh, in Tennessee, if I recall, he – that was one of those games where, like, the entire offense was just straining. Yeah, it was you just know, the whole like, team. They, they were just out of it. But, uh, you know. Even but, the defense was out of it. Yeah. And some of that was, like, you don't get beat deep if Darius West is back there for the yeah. first half. That that play killed him. But to digress, 
uh, I obviously we're gonna I, I I'm gonna use my personal bias against the the other guys, but I think Terry's potential plus his uh, talking to Greg McElroy at SEC Media Days he he. The word he used was, you see ghosts when you're a first-year starter, and I think Terry saw a lot of ghosts. Mm-hmm. And he thought too much um, to slide or not to slide. You know, stuff like that. The second thing you said is the bigger thing. He thought too much. Yeah. He's been playing this game his whole life. And sooner or later, you just got to be like, screw it. I'm throwing the ball here. Or, trust your trust your read. Trust all that – all the practice time you've got, all the – looking over a playbook you've had. Trust your instincts. Play with instincts. At quarterback, you still have to play with instincts, even though there's all that other stuff going on. And I think Terry had, had you know, some confidence issues in the year, and he yep. didn't trust. But he's got skill. I think the biggest thing you look at Terry is that he had intermediate accuracy last year. That's not a thing we that's, thought he was going to have going into the season. That's probably the hardest thing to have as a quarterback. Yeah. Because on deep balls, you can let it fly, and you know your receivers are under it. Short game, just quick, get out of here. Intermediate requires some reading and hitting dudes off out of breaks. Mm-hmm. So that that's a good sign. If you can get to where he can stretch the field vertically down down the field, he can improve in his progression. Some of it is on the receivers too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we'll get into that probably in yeah. a later episode yeah, of this yeah, podcast. That, yeah. And then, I, I mean, I cannot stress it enough that, that he has to get better in the pocket, operating out of the pocket to make, to make plays. Because he's gonna, there's going to be opportunities for him to make plays, but he has to get better at operating in the pocket, which I'm sure if you ask Eddie Grant or if you ask Terry Wilson at Media Day, what's one of the biggest things you've been, he's been working on, I'll guarantee you they say, you know, you know, his pocket, his fundamentals, his foot mechanics, it's moving around and making throws. That was watching – so, when you do the quarterback competition stuff, we get like two or three practices a year where media gets to go in and, and watch him break down. And Terry is the fastest guy on his heels I've ever seen. And that was one thing that worried me in camp because Gunnar Hoke, he had all the mechanics and did things the right way. He just didn't have the arm talent mm-hmm. and the uh, cojones, for lack of a better term. Something between the years, he just didn't have that like – I'm a badass. I'm better than you, and I know it. Which I think you, I think quarterbacks got to have that kind of mentality. Whereas Terry had all the arm talent in the world. Terry has that swagger. He, he, yeah, and he 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 knows he's a badass. But what his feet and his his just fundamentals in general struggled, and obviously his decision making because he wasn't in the offense for that long. So, and I'm basically pressing pause to just preview the quarterback position at this point because we've talked about it enough. What are your I, – I think the biggest difference we see in Terry year two versus year one is not only just a little bit of confidence in his decision-making, but I think what's really going to free him up is I think they're going to be able to run him a lot more, and I think they're going to run him a lot more. Because the personnel around him, you're going to try to get a lot of those guys to the edge anyway. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Benny Snell is a I'm got to get north-south quick. Whereas the other guys, you can play around with them a lot more on the edge because they're more explosive. You can, when you're running your read options, you're actually saying like, like it reminds me of uh, the when I got to play as a freshman, freshman football. We got to dress against Shawnee, and we ran we ran a waggle play, which was almost always touchdown to me, the tight end. <laughs> we had a really good running quarterback. He's a good athlete, and we called the waggle in the huddle. But I didn't know that the offensive coordinator told him the sideline, "Don't you." Dare think about throwing yeah. that GD ball, and 
I think that was a lot of time too where they called the read option so that everybody would run it like it, but it was under the understanding that, Terry, you're giving this ball to Benny no matter what. I think – and a lot of that, I think that after that Central Michigan game, he was mostly dealing with half-field reads. Right. So, even Just, in the passing game, it was all you – You're know, looking at one, two, three run. guys, a little triangle <laughs> on that side, and that's it. You Think about if the ball's on the left hash mark. There's two – or say, let's say on the right hash mark, there's two receivers to the left side of the field. Mm-hmm. Those are the two receivers you're looking at. You're yes. not looking at the backside, the running back, or the backside tight end, or the backside receiver. So it's 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 read one, read two, take off. And you and you know how you could really tell is that when they would when they would do trips with CJ opposite of the trips, mm-hmm. it was going to CJ most of the time, but it gave him a I'm going to start with my eyes over here and then. The safety's going to bite, and then I'm well, you play number. They, what it did, it played number game with the defense, where they have to yeah. respect it because yeah. there's so many right. players over there. But I, I, I think that's going to be a part where they're going to utilize Terry more on the ground. I think his receivers are going to be better because they can't get any worse. I mean, that's kind of where we're at um, with them, and we'll get into them later. But I was actually encouraged a lot by what I saw in the spring game. I think he knows the offense better. But what is what, what do you think is going to be the biggest difference in Terry Wilson? And do you believe he is in, – in our scenario where right now he's probably in the middle of the middle tier, middle to the bottom of it, mm-hmm. can you see him being towards the top of it by the end of the year? I can see Terry joining that group where you're talking about the plus game managers. He's ta- You're talking about him with Kellen Mond, with Kelly Bryant. With Joe Burrow. Yeah. yeah. Well, those three, because those are kind of the quarterbacks Terry is because – of the element he brings with his legs. Right. But to, to get that – now, the, the best thing I think is going to be for Terry Wilson is I think the scheme's going to be different, the offensive scheme, mm-hmm. because it's going to have to be different. Yeah, they, they, they can't. Because you don't that. have that 300 carry for the season workhorse back <laughs> right. who can just churn yards and churn out first downs and eat clock. And in a four-minute offense, you know – that if you get the ball back with a lead with five minutes left, you're going to have a damn good opportunity to milk, to milk the clock and get out of here with a victory. In this offense, you're going to have to play to your strengths. Your strengths are going to be that you have speed in the backfield. A.J. Rose, Cavassier Smoke, Smoke, Terry Wilson, all can burn, all have speed, all can get out on the edge and make plays, make home run type plays, big splash chunk plays. Don't forget Travis Tisdale, too. And Travis Tisdale, like if he that. can get I like the rotation. That guy. Yeah. And then on the outside, you're going to have Lynn Bowden, who you're going to force feed touches all all yeah, season long. Yeah. He is some... going unlike Benny. He Benny was your efficiency option last year. Yeah. Lynn is your efficiency option this year because you're going to force feed him touches mm-hmm. and get have him help him help you stay at the head of the chains, whether it be doing stuff with him in the run game. Possibly Hopefully, it's not sweeps. wildcat quarterback read options. It's yeah. fun in theory, but I well, just – Well, we're going to see that. Just <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know, But just, you know, short short stuff in the passing game they did yeah. like this last year with him. My favorite is the the play where they put him in motion. And it's it's a jet sweep, but since it's a forward pass to him, it counts as a pass. They mm-hmm. get like eight yards. Great way to – A&M touchdown. They got a – Terry Wilson got a passing touchdown yeah. for the little flip. Yeah, great way to really uh, mm-hmm. pad the stats. So. And also, I think Josh Alvey is better. Isaiah Epps has to be better. The kids who redshirted last year, we only saw them in flashes, and they were really talented mm-hmm. in those flashes. Bryce Oliver was great in spring game. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think there are better weapons around him. Um, but ultimately, Terry, Terry's got to do more this year. I think he can, he will. In, in most of it, between you and I, like it, 
is because he's the most talented physically and I think the most um I think I think he has the mental toughness unlike I think those just attributes alone better than any of the quarterbacks I've ever covered at Kentucky. That's the Mizzou game showed a lot with Terry. Yeah, well, because and, and especially from a you're hearing chirping from everyone, mm-hmm. and even Stoops is like, okay, fine, I'll play the other guys. And when they stunk, he still just went back out there and balled whenever they needed him to. Mm-hmm. So I, I think a lot of it was just inexperience from a first year starter. If Steven Johnson could play as well as he did. I I think Terry Wilson could take it to another level and get Kentucky to where, uh, you know, it's it's not going to be the necessity that Jake Bentley has needed over the years, but you can be an eight win team, eight nine win team with Terry Wilson taking mm-hmm. a step further. And don't get it twisted, Kentucky's still going to run the ball in between tackles because of what they have on that offensive line. They're still going to run, especially in between. They're the still going to run inside zone a ton like they've always done, but they're going to do more. I think in getting out on the edges and playing on the edges and let Terry make make reads and make make throws into tighter windows. Or at the line, they don't push their nickel up on Bowden and he just snaps it and throws it to him right yeah. away. Mm-hmm. And just says go. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like that. Those are kind of little things that you don't trust your first-year starter, but you might trust your second-year starter. Um, behind Terry, though, if, if things – don't go according to plan. I know there are some people out there who are just not Terry stands. I I am. I'm going to be. I'm, some of it was because he was on uh, me and TJ's radio show early on. Yeah, y'all were all over. Oh, we 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 jumped on the, the Terry, Terry touchdown phenomenon. train real early. Um, but if, if things don't go according to plan, Sawyer Smith is a very formidable backup who's mm-hmm. a big arm guy and. You want to talk about the perfect person to just judge off his last game. He had a hell of oh, a yeah. last game. <laughs> yes. His, yes. His, here's the stat line from his last game. It was incredible. He went in the Dollar General Bowl, which was a very fun bowl game, mm-hmm. against Buffalo, 31 of 44, 320 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, that's making and, a living. And they were a lot of those were big plays, too, mm-hmm. those touchdowns, like 60-yard bombs where he's just letting it rip. Here's the thing with Sawyer Smith. He reminds me a lot of Steven Johnson. I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> That's great. Guy can throw the deep ball. Yeah. Throws a beautiful deep ball. In the intermediate accuracy game, he kind of struggles. Yeah. His footwork's not the yeah. best. He needs to come along. And that's where if you took the deep ball away from him last year, you really kind of shut down Troy. But at the same time, he can run the ball a little bit. He, he had a 60 run yard run mm-hmm. against Nebraska. He's had a, he he gets those like every once in a while. He's he just going to blow one. He gets up. the Stephen Johnson runs where he catches the defense diving, diving in. He pulls it and he has you know the athleticism. Or by the time you look up, he's 25, 30 yards down the field. South think South Carolina sticking your tongue mm-hmm. out. Yes. Yeah. That's what he. That's what. That's the kind of player he is. And and, and he also like Stephen Johnson came in from an injured quarterback and led his team to a bowl game. Yep. Almost hell, they almost won the conference last mm-hmm. year. So that's that's the kind of player Kentucky's getting, and you get him for two years. You get him the two years to be the primary backup, uh, as we we thank to Terry Wilson. Yeah. So I mean, it was I think it's something they needed to have when they lost, you know, Hoke and Danny Clark. I mean, that would they yeah. had to they had to address that just that immediate backup issue right now, not mm-hmm. the future. What are we going to do right now in case something bad right. goes? Right. Because there are some guys for the future. Uh, I had somebody ask me about Walker Wood. Walker Wood, he's a locker room guy. Yes. And he, he loves that job. He plays it well. He's out in the community a lot. 
great locker room guy, but pull a, a break glass in case of emergency. Yeah, he's had injuries. Yeah, yeah. He's shoulders so, hold on. He's not. Uh, he's probably not the same player he was. Right. Just because injuries wise. Yeah. Um, but Scalzo and Gilmore, those guys, we're not going to see them for a long time. Mm-mm. Uh, which that's what made my that was my favorite. Like, oh, you'll never believe it, but Amani Gilmore. Is just he he's so much better than we thought. Well, he had no expectations, so like there's only one way he can go is up. Mm-hmm. Secondly, it doesn't matter how good he looked in summer workouts. He's a good athlete with a good arm. That's why he played baseball. Uh, both of those guys, they're a time will tell. I like that Scalzo rehabbed well enough to get back in time for injury, like to to be at fall camp. Uh, he's 100 percent cleared. And he's going to be on the QB1 documentary. Yep. So, that you know, it'll be fun for us to watch. But we're really not going to see a lot of those guys. But they can run around. They can sling it some. But this is, from the quarterback's perspective, for fans, all we really need to worry about is Smith and Wilson because those are the only two that will likely sniff the field this year. And But from a room, it, it is nice, though, that you have like, – you don't have to put too much on those young guys. And you have Walker Wood there, like, kind of – Telling him what to do because you know that that's going to be his kind of primary job. And every one of those quarterbacks kind of fits the same mold. Yeah, they can throw it, but they can all run around a little bit. And it's in and it's in different ways. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think uh, Gilmore might be a little more north south. Scalzo, he's the dude who yes, like I love when they call him Johnny Manziel just because he does that weird crazy. You talk stuff about pocket mechanics. Field. He's the kind of guy that's running around like a chicken with head cut off in the pocket, just slinging it, just slinging it. He was. I went to one of his games down mm-hmm. uh, before UK played Florida. That was fun. It was fun watching him play. Yeah, he'd he played do, on a really good team. Yeah, he'd do some wild stuff. He's in his tight end is uh, man, that dude is huge too. Mm-hmm. Ogenovich, my goodness, his he, dad's a his he dad's, can move he can move around some weight over yeah. there. <laughs> his dad's a trip too with his freaking cannons as well. <laughs> man, what, what is a good his dad going to be the new Boom Williams dad? Oh, uh, not as much, but you know, people are going to see him. They're like, "That's that's the Ojedovich guy. He's got to be it." Um, so that was kind of the the quarterback room as a whole. But to go back to Terry and to go back to our ranking system. So one through five, we've got pretty set. Now for our our game managers, we got a group of four here with Felipe Franks. Jake Bentley, Terry Wilson, Jared Garantano. Look at who who you who you got up first. I know it's unpopular, but I'm going to take Bentley, just because he's a senior, four year starter. I know what I'm going to get with him for this year. I'm taking Bentley. I can get behind that because I'm much more here for Felipe Frank slander than I am for Jake Bentley slander because I, I think, as you said, a lot of the South Carolina hate gets misappropriated to Bentley just because he's been there forever. Um, and I think the only reason why South Carolina has been in a lot of these games is because of him. Um, now, here's where it gets I, – I, I think I know the order of what it needs to be, but I don't know if I want to do it, though, because I just – I really – like you said, I don't think Felipe Franks is any good, but I do think that Dan Mullen – like you can't – it's Florida Felipe Franks with Dan Mullen. Mm-hmm. So, like, even though he's a product of Mullen – it's still – he's what's going to get them to 9-10 wins this year. Maybe more if Kentucky doesn't upset him. So, I think we kind of got to go Felipe Franks right here. Yeah, I agree. And then it's a matter of who do we believe in more? 
this is just your your yeah your personal preference right here because they're to this point in their career is Jerry Garantano. Gar, 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 it's a hard name to Jerry say. Jerry Garantano. Uh, Guantanamo. Guantanamo. <laughs> Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> yeah. And Terry Wilson are pretty much the same quarterback. They're yeah. Juniors. They've both done some good things, done some bad things. He, Guantanamo though, he played a little bit as a freshman though, mm-hmm. right? He yeah. played. He started against Kentucky. Yeah. Up here. So. But we're taking Terry though. Yeah. Screw Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. go to give hell. me the dual, give me the dual threat ability. Give me the true dual threat, and also give me the more potential. Because like, yeah, I have I just have more faith in Wilson from a physical standpoint to make a leap, and I also think that he's just he's going to have better weapons around him. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of other outside factors that affected his play. Whereas Garantano could have done more last year, but they just didn't try, like it. I think there was a product of we don't want to do anything. Whereas in Wilson, because I think that's why Terry gets hated on by the outside media. They think he didn't throw the ball a lot last year because he stunk. Whereas I think they didn't throw the ball a lot last year because they had Benny Snell and other things. Whereas Garantano, I just don't think they trust him that much. Yeah, he's also wearing a Tennessee helmet. Yeah. yeah. Go, go so they give it a little more. Lean, lean, oh, like. no. oh, Peyton Manning wore a Tennessee helmet. Yeah. <laughs> well, so did Tim Couch, damn it. Um, all right, so there we've got our top nine, and then we get to the I've never heard of these guys before, and this is where it gets really fun. Because the thing that's weird about Mississippi State is old boy Moorhead went and got his old quarterback, Tommy Stevens. Tommy Stevens, he was a really high-ranked recruit as well, and I think that – for a while, many thought he was going to be the guy until – and now I'm drawing a blank on his name. Who's the – Trace McSorley or the yeah. new quarterback? McSorley. Yeah. I think many people thought that he was going to be the guy, but McSorley just beat him. Um, and then he was like, all right, well, wait wait and buy your time. N- then you'll be the guy. And Stevens was just like, eh, screw it. I'm getting out of here. Tommy Stevens and Nick Fitzgerald might as well be carbon copies. Really? Yes. Are they is Nick um, Fitzgerald between has, the years? Are they the same? I don't know that because I there were some rumblings that Nick Fitzgerald Mullen needed to dumb down the system for him. <laughs> <laughs> that that well, was the word on the street. Well, maybe <laughs> I, I'm not going to confirm or deny that, Nick Grouch. <laughs> but here's now Nick Fitzgerald has more top end speed, and it's so therefore it makes him a better runner. But they're both 6'5", 230, 240 pounds, built like tight ends. They both can get their shoulders square and grind out yards and get you first downs. They both struggle passing the football in pretty much every facet of basketball. Tommy Stevens, we have, I've seen a lot more of Nick Fitzgerald, but what I've seen to Tommy Stevens is you know, he's a, he needs work as a passer, and he's a, he's a senior. He's a redshirt senior now, so – you know, kind of. How much more work he is, can you get? Up? He is yeah. what he is to this point. So, do they go with Stevens or do they go with the other guy, Thompson? Keaton Thompson. I've already tweeted this out. Keaton Thompson has dynamite playmaking ability from a running standpoint and running and throwing the ball long. He has, you know, where he can be a game breaker for you, but he he can't pass the ball either from just a dink and dunk kind of move the chains kind of system. So it's what do you do you live on the big play and you just take a risk saying, well, we're just going to be a big play offense. If we have a few, you know, more three and outs than everybody else, we'll, you know. Live with it. Risk Lean on our defense. Well, yeah. 
Or do you – And Colin do, Hill. Or That's you, one thing. Colin Hill at least is a workhorse yes. for him. Yeah. Or do you just – do you uh, run Tommy Stevens out there? You try to be a – you know, a efficiency, move the cha- keep moving the chains, stay ahead of the chains offense, and then hopefully he can – so, Dink and dunk you for enough. So that's one of the combos we're working with where we don't really know who's going to be the quarterback. We also have – I personally, before we move on, I would I would, I would, ride the big play guy. Yeah, I think he's got a load of potential. If he can just progress just a little bit as a passer, I think you could really have something that could potentially turn into some spec, something spectacular with him well, because he has some of that dual threat ability that is very rare where he can run around and he's a threat to take it. 75 yards to the crib. Thompson's also like a, you invest in the long term. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, I mean, he's a junior now, so he's only got two years left. But better than one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Arkansas is going to be fun to watch this year because they can just be a hilarious train wreck. Uh, Chad Morris gets a grad transfer from his old quarterback at SMU, Ben Hicks, and he gets another grad transfer in Nick Starkle, who Starkle, he could be the guy at Texas A&M we're talking about, but he had a bad ankle injury. Mm-hmm. and. I thought I always thought Starkle was the better quarterback, and this time last year I was saying that Jimbo better start Starkle over Kellamon. Right. So you've got two quality options there. I know they got the SMU kid. Some think it's going to be him, and he he put up some solid numbers over more of his previously. Mm-hmm. So that that's going to be fun. And I think I mean just from pure passer standpoint, they're better than throwing the Mississippi State guys. So yeah. well, and then their scheme too. It's kind of set up to pass the ball around the yard. Yeah. The thing with Arkansas, and we'll, I, I'm going to dive into this more as the podcast progresses, they remind me a lot of Mark Stoops, Kentucky, in year two. I stole that bit on the Arkansas radio show, Did by you? the way. Yeah. Because it, <laughs> well, it, it's right on. You follow the leader. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, they have, you know, they they had a kind of embarrassing first season, 2-10, and 0-8. They have a great recruiting class right away. And they're, set, they're entering year two where they're making a change at quarterback like Kentucky did. Kentucky's quarterbacks left. Maxwell Smith, Jalen Woodlow transferred out. Arkansas's two quarterbacks last year transferred out. So they're breaking it in Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky rolls with the talent when Patrick Coles. Let's see if we can develop them. So they're going to – and that's why I think they're going to end up rolling with Starkle. Let's roll with some guy that has, you know, some talent. Mm-hmm. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they have really two guys that are NFL players. And one dude is a Dijon Harris, a middle linebacker. And that Sosa. Big, yeah, Sosa, Ajim yeah. inside. Who brought the Chucky doll? Yeah, they're both the... NFL players, but after that, it's a lot of well, I don't know on defense. <laughs> so strap I, on, I, folks. I see a lot of similarities between the two. Now, when it comes to quarterback, I think both are going to play this year, and we'll see. I think you get Starkle for longer, so that's like your Keaton Thompson thing. Why don't you just roll with Starkle? Right. But I don't think Hugh Freeze or not Hugh Freeze, Chad Morris, unless Ben Hicks is dead set on becoming a coach, I don't think he brings him in unless he's going to play them because of that past relationship. Right. So we'll see. So that's another one. Uh, you mentioned earlier Auburn. They're in a uh, – well, actually, I want to mention Vandy first because I think it's the most hilarious. Yeah. Where Riley Neal at Ball State last year had like something like 1,700 yards – you know, a little just a skosh over nineteen hundred. Yeah, and then fifty-seven percent completion percentage, like fifteen touch. It was not impressive at all. Uh-uh. He grad transfers in, and their other option is a guy named Deuce, who got suspended for the entire year for violating Vanderbilt school policy, whatever the hell that <laughs> means. I don't know if it's like uh, BYU where he had sex with someone mm-hmm. and they just can't do it. I don't know what it was, but either way. 
that, that's the part of Andy. It sucks to be Derek Mason. If you had Kyle Shermer one more From year. From a pure excitement standpoint, just that offense with a good quarterback had be, a chance to be fun as hell. Yeah, they really did. Because uh, College of Lipscomb, we talked about Vaughn earlier. Pickney's the second best tight end in the league behind uh, Albert O at Missouri. So, like, they got a couple other young receivers I really like, too. Yeah, so, like, they could be fun if they just get just something out of their quarterback, just mm-hmm. anything. So, uh, but they're, they're bottom of the barrel, and it's not even close. Yeah. <laughs> it's, they're, they're the absolute bottom of the barrel. Um, and then Auburn's got a quarterback competition. You mentioned, was it was – it Bo Nix. I love Bo Nix. Okay. I think by the end of the season, Bo Nix will be looked at as the top quarterback returning in the SEC in 2020. So, we're going to put Auburn and Bo Nix at number 10. He, we're just going to lead them off in the group. You're okay. bullish on them. I have faith in you. And, honestly, I don't trust any of these other Now. Guys. I don't have trust in Gus's system with that type of quarterback, but I love Bo Nix. And if they have a new coach next year, God, it's going to that, be a hell is, of a starting that, piece. They are just I, – I, that's I, – as much as I love football nerd, the whole Gus Malzahn love affair, the hate him, love him relationship with him is so bizarre. It's, it's Auburn football. Like, that's just ha- – that's who they are. <laughs> it's their identity. It's, the, like, we're going to win. They're a roller coaster. And then uh, we're going to extend his valleys. Con- we're going to extend his contract. Oh, and then now we're going to renegotiate. Like mm-hmm. it's just it, man. If 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 Gus just had a little bit more of panache, then I, it might not be as bad. But I think it is just Auburn fans in that little brother syndrome they have. Mm-hmm. They just can't help it. Mm-hmm. They got when when Nick Saban's there, they just they just can't help it. Um, and then the final quarterback we haven't mentioned, Ole Miss is Matt Corral. Or Cor- I think it's Corral. Yeah, um, Corral. He he did fine when Tomu got hurt last year, and the way that they throw it around, I'm just going to say that he's probably not that bad. Here's the thing with Corral and this new Ole Miss system. Ole Miss's new offensive coordinator oh. is a guy named Rich Rodriguez. Yes, they got Rich Rod. How did I? I'm, I did not know that until SEC Media Day. Anybody? How did that not get? <laughs> that is hilarious because Rich Rod got fired for his job at Arizona misconduct. Fi- Five months, yeah, sexual harassment slash misconduct. Five months after Hugh Freeze gets fired for sexual harassment misconduct, and they're willing to bring in Rich Rod to be an OC. Man, just they have no standards at all. It almost. just means more. But any, here's the thing with Rich Rod. <laughs> Anybody listen to this? I'm assuming the majority of you have played NCAA football around circa 2007. Yes. That year, Rich Rod had one of the best teams in the country, and his offense is spread option. That's what they do. They want to run the ball out of the spread. Slayton, Pat White. Mm-hmm. And then he got uh, – who is that dude that didn't tie shoes for Michigan? He's a running back for the Jags now. Denar Robinson. Yes. Shoelace, Shoelace Robinson. Yes, yes. So then he goes – even if even at Arizona, they kind of did the same thing. Uh, oh, I can't think of his Khalil name. Tate. He sucked last year too. That yeah. was bizarre. Khalil Tate, he turned into a superstar in that spread option offense. My Matt Corral – it's a pocket passer who was recruited to their last offense to throw the ball around the yard out of the pocket. Did their OC like leave on his own volition? Yes, he went to North Carolina. Okay. He'll be calling pra- plays for Mac Brown. Th- their offense was really good. I know they had DK Metcalf and mm-hmm. uh, the other guy's name escapes me right now. Uh, their offense is really good, but it put their defense in yeah, impossible huge situations. And that's part of the reason why their defense was so – as bad as it was. So, Matt Corral's just kind of uh, – I think it's a weird scheme fit for him, and I'm not sure how it's going to work. And when you throw in, they lost all those receivers. And I think talent-wise, they're bottom of the barrel in that division. I don't think it's going to so, be a good ending for I think for this year. the way we've talked it out, I think we can put Arkansas behind Bo Nix just because there's more track record there. Mm-hmm. And then go with Miss State Ole Miss. Is that, is that fair? Yeah. Okay. 
cool with that. I'm cool with that. So uh, for those who aren't keeping track at home, and uh, I'm going to put this in a KSR post. There we go. But Tua from Bryant Mind, Burrow, Bentley, Franks, Wilson, Garantano, Bo Nix. Then you've got your Arkansas, Miss State, Ole Miss, Andy. And that was uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of personnel, one might say. This is what we're bringing to the table on eleven personnel, Mr. Oh Rouse. man, this and this is so. I'm not gonna to peel back the scenes. We were a little worried, like, man, what are we gonna talk about? Like, how how long will this thing go? And uh, don't look now, but we've talked for an hour, and we didn't even get to running backs. We were gonna get to running backs today, and it just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. That's talking ball, man. It's talking ball. That's what we do. And you know what? If you go to your local high school, you can hear the pads popping right now. High school football is in the air. Uh, Cruton is at Carrington Valentine just committed. Two molar kids in three years. How about that? They're rolling. They were also in on a couple other ones that they almost got. No, if, if only Kentucky got Jackson Hayes from Molar. Yeah. Yeah. That would be nice. Yeah, Valentine, I guess, plays with him there. He's a he's a hooper too. Yeah, he was on the hoop squad. Yeah, so they uh, nice nice to pick up recruits in uh July's slow now. July's a really slow month. It's going to get crazy. This little two-week period we're in right now, the second week of it, this is about as slow as it gets. Yeah. You, I think We're not far from players reporting, and then we get some camp scoop. Yeah. Camp, so, slow stuff starts to leak out from camp, and we start to find out a little bit more as the season approaches. Right now, it's dog days. Oh, yeah. But but we're almost there. 31 days away until Florida and Miami toe meet the leather down in Orlando. 38 days from – when we are going oh, into the crow, it's going to be time. it's going to be great. And that that week zero, having a good quality game in week zero is going to be incredible. Yes. Week um, zero is one of my favorite things in the world. Yeah, except normally it's like BYU and Hawaii, mm-hmm. and this year we've got an actual football game. Yeah, we've got some big boys going. It'd be out. great if Florida lost too. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, just real shame if Dan Mullen kept losing big games. A real shame. But that's going to do it all for this episode of Love and Personnel. We hope you enjoy it. We we don't have our own podcast feed yet. Uh, we're going to be fighting Apple with everything I have to make that happen. Trust us when we say that is not an easy process to get that get that approved. And but once once it gets approved, uh, it'll be there ready to roll. Until then, we'll be on the KSR podcast feed. For those who want to listen to the KSR football podcast, we're actually going to be hitting the mic uh, next week, next Wednesday night. So you ex- be expecting sometime. Uh, around next Thursday and until then uh, thank you very much for listening to the first episode ever of 11 Personnel here with Adam Luckett and Nick Roush